Spaghetti and meatballs. Spaghetti and meatballs. Can you not? Why not? Why not? Hmm? <laughs> Welcome back to Stacked Episode 111, everybody. <laughs> Hi, everybody. <laughs> Yes, and we're Evelyn's in the house. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay, she's a part of it. No, this will just be an added experience for the listeners. You just hear eating in the background. It's a, it's a very meditative, you know, it's hypnotic. Get you uh, sucked into this, the, the listens, the conversations we're going to have today. Because today's episode, episode 111. It's episode 111, guys. So you know what that means. Uh... That means every 111 episodes, we let Brandon pick the topic for this week. So, Brandon, you pick the topic for this week. What are we talking about? I didn't. We're picking. We're we're picking. We're we're talking about adulthood movies. Oh. Well, we've been in adulthood now for years, and not just in college adulthood. Now, out of college adult, we all pay rent. Uh, we've all been in uh, relationships. We all have jobs or had jobs. Uh, oh, and none of us are. My God. <laughs> <laughs> and then. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and also, none of us have experienced parenthood yet, but some of us are like parents to animals. That's true. So I think it, we, it, we, I, looking at films <laughs> <laughs> surrounding those topics, oh, it's yeah. really interesting. Yeah. <laughs> um. <laughs> Chris, what, what, what about you? uh yeah when i started when i got pitched this i i kind of felt the same way brandon did where um i started thinking like okay like what movies are about like the condition of being at this stage in your life and like what is what goes into that you know and brandon mentioned you know relationships work friendships responsibilities i i feel like in a weird way like that's kind of that's kind of it like um i feel like adulthood um, and when you kind of reach this age or like this time in your life, you kind of feel overwhelmed by the responsibilities that you have to yourself and others. Um, but also like, you know, it's a, it's a, also still a time in life where you're learning. You're still very much learning, especially when you're, you're when you're a young adult, um, like we are, um, in our twenties. And, um, I actually found this to be a really great topic when I started looking I mean, like, usually I'll, like, I'll start thinking, like, okay, like, this is the topic, what films fall under that? But then I was, like, adulthood is such a broad, um, you know, like, concept. So I just went into my profile and on Letterboxd and searched up, like, my the movies I've ranked the highest. And I'm like, dang, I could probably apply quite a number of these to this prompt. So, frankly, I think you'll, you'll see a couple of really great movies, at least on my end, for this stack. Uh, I think there's a lot, uh, I think there's a lot we can talk about here. Um, and I feel like the condition of being an adult is something that is universal, but also a unique experience to each person. Yeah. So I'm curious to hear what all of you guys, uh, came up with for this episode. Ethan, yeah. did you have any particular inclinations about you this know, one? I think I could start it. I, I, I kind of want to start this out with sort of talking about like what I picked. I want to talk about my first film, which is sort of like, I feel like a good way to start off talking about adulthood movies where it is like the transition into adulthood you know so uh we you know we've done coming of age movies before that was a, uh, an episode yeah but i feel like this is a lot different because this, this is the the next stage in that you know from the traditional coming of age it's more like you know um child to young adult you know whereas yeah um, in these in i want to start out by adult movie doing young adult to adult and I'm going to start it with a movie about my hometown, Salt Lake City, Utah. I'm picking SLC Punk as my first adulthood film. Um, I think this movie is fantastic. It perfectly um, 
captures and critiques punk culture in in a town where it like clashes the most you know um because it's like you know it's punk anarchy culture mixed with the lds church and you know um how basically mormons dictate anything any law that's passed in salt lake you know it's very totalitarian but then it's about these punks living in this really uh repressed city uh struggling with their own ideology and like in living free and if fighting the system is part of the system and it like the sort of existentials behind that the nihilism behind all of that you know um and it just it's a really beautiful movie about realizing that like like the goods and bads of being rebellious and grow and like maturing into an adult from that stage you know um it's a fantastic film i highly recommend you guys check it out matthew lillard shaggy is the is the star of it you know um and it's amazing and i think that's just like a i think that's a fundamental cornerstone of like an adulthood movie you know is like l learning about ha having to face it you know for a second there, I thought you were going to go with Brigsby Bear. But from what I've heard about SOC Punk, sounds terrific. You know, I mean, it's not like they're they're young adults or they're they're adults. Like, what are we talking here? Age wise? They're uh, like end of college young adults. Oh, so like kicking and screaming kind of age. I don't know if you watch that. I haven't seen kicking and screaming. No, I haven't. But yeah, something like that. Cool. Thumbs up, Chris. What do you think? <laughs> yeah, I have. Uh, I haven't even heard of this movie, but I do like what you said about like the like rebellion being something that like I feel like that's something that's more often than not associated with like teenage years, especially more in more traditional means. Yeah, but also like young adults, I feel like are have the most reason to be angry with the world because they're old enough to comprehend what it is like the situation and all that but are also young enough to fight and young enough to like to like seek out that future that they want in place of what it is um which i feel like is why you often seen like you often see young adults at the forefront of social change rather yeah. than like old old ass fucks who like are probably gonna bite the dust before before any real change happens yeah um and yeah, I find that really interesting. And I think that's a good way of putting like, I mean, like with all that's going on around the world these last few years, I think that's a good way to contextualize why adulthood is often in defiance of the social norm, um, yeah. especially when you're a young adult like us. Um, yeah, yeah I'd buy it. Absolutely. Definitely recommend it. Um, is any, does anyone have a movie just to bounce off that one? I'm trying to think of like, because like, I'm trying to think of like a movie that like compliments that in terms of like rebellion um or just even like the transitionary period you know i would say like goodwill hunting yeah. might be a good one Ooh. because yeah, it's not necessarily it's not necessarily about somebody who's in school you know no. coming to terms with like adulthood and leaving and then having to figure things out on their own it's it's about paths to take and your expectations that you ha are under in a society where they kind of flaunt you around like you're some object yeah. with your knowledge. And in Goodwill Hunting, Ben Affleck gives, well, not Ben Affleck, but the world gives uh, Matt Damon a choice. You go to school and use your knowledge to speak with people or you can go work with your brother for the rest of your life essentially yeah uh, or best friend for the rest of your life in construction and waste your talent and he chooses neither in the end right but i think the significance of it is that you are still seeing him contemplate these massive things while also going to therapy which is actually very forward thinking i think for like a film of that era absolutely mm -hmm. so oh, especially for an adult man this movie's so, so good it is very good. Oh my, yeah. This one's one of my all-time favorite movies. Um, and yeah, I, for some reason, I didn't have it on my list. I don't know why I didn't even think of it. But like, sort of, 
those decisions that Matt Damon makes in these movies are decisions that, like, determine who you are in your 20s. Not in terms of, like, the outcome, but in terms of how you decide, you know? Um, so, what, no matter which one he chose would have put him on a path to, like, uh, as a, like, just personality-wise, like, changing him, you know? Um, but this movie's so good. Ben Affleck, uh, when he's telling him these choices, I know why you slipped up because you were thinking of that scene, right? Where he's like, if you come, like, t tomorrow, I will... I will beat the fuck out of you, you know? Mm -hmm. I will beat you up. Um, and it's just like, oh, there's so much passion rooting for this guy for uh, his potential, but that can also be a pressure, you know, where he just wants to be whoever he is, you know? I feel like there's so much expectation from your peers in your 20s when you're deciding what you're going to do next with your life, you know? And I think this film perfectly captures it. Excellent film. I, I actually do have another one on top of that for similar sort of thing. Yeah. Um, It's this movie, my third favorite movie of all time. None of you guys have seen it yet. The Best of Youth. That six-hour oh. Italian movie. Oh, yeah. Tell us about it. I don't know anything about it. <laughs> you keep yeah. you yeah, gave Joey you get your DVD it, uh, for like weeks. I was going to, but he didn't watch it. So I was like, well. So you took it and back. He <laughs> I took it back. I said, this is my third favorite movie of all time. You can't said, do this to me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Why is um, this movie so good? Well, so it starts out for like the first like half hour, sort of developing this relationship between two siblings yeah. who are going down their respective life paths uh, for school and life. And they decide to take a vacation uh, before going off to school like forever, you know? Yeah. And then moving on with the rest of their life. And on this summer trip, they run into this woman. And this, she's obviously got something up with her. Um, she's running away from something. And they kind of tag along with her. Mm -hmm. And after the moment where they get separated, one decides to go on the vacation. Uh, and then the other one decides not to go on the vacation for a different reason. And they sort of both splinter off in their own separate directions from being like late, late teens, early 20s. Yeah. So in what is supposed to be the capping off of their adolescence, they are instead forced into two different life paths. One moves to a different country and begins to like travel the world and drops out of school. And the other one goes in a different path. Uh, from school than he initially thought he would mm -hmm. and you get to see their lives unfold in adulthood for 30 to 40 years throughout the course of the six hour movie they got time and you get to see how their lives intertwine intersect but also go apart from one another in terms of their politics in terms of uh, their relationships with people in terms of their careers and it, it, I've never seen something like so real in capturing reality as it is without it being um artificial or melodramatic in any way but still not being boring incredibly engaging and entertaining mm -hmm. and not only that it just the way it breathes with life uh and shows your adulthood i i could see parts of my myself in like the early parts of this movie which makes me fearful and excited for how it's turning out because it's like not saying like, oh, my life's going to go exactly like these guys, but I'm like, oh, yeah. these are things that I've since thought since watching this movie. And I don't think that this movie implanted those ideas in my head. Oh, wow. And so it's it's very well made. It's it's a masterwork. It's super long. So if you watch it, probably split it up into the first three hours, second three hours. Yeah. I have two DVDs, so that makes it sort of easy. Um but it's outstanding and a, a like quintessential adulthood movie. Whoa, that that it sounds like kind of like Boyhood in a way. I haven't seen Boyhood, but I've I mm. I know enough about it. You know, do they film it like that, or is it just like uh, you know, just one one year, or okay, <laughs> he's munching. He's one munching. onion ring. No one <laughs> onion ring. They, one cookie. No. Uh, 
No, they used the same cast, and I think they filmed over a while, like mm-hmm. maybe a year or two, which is longer than most productions. Is like most, as we know, being in the industry, most television and film productions only are about a month to three months long, unless it's like a big blockbuster like Avatar, The Way of Water. Yeah. Or Endgame. But with this, they shot it over, I believe, a longer period of time within like two to three years. But they did. It was not like um, Boyhood, where it was like, okay, we're gonna get together in another five years and film another piece of it, or another year and film a piece of it. Right. So they utilized the same actors throughout, but I they utilized makeup. Um, they they utilized the changing of settings, uh, hairstyles, uh, costuming, everything around them to change them. Right. And you believe it, and you go with it, and I I think that's definitely a brave decision because i think most movies would just recast the role but living with them for six hours at a time uh or i guess in this case just the six hours and yeah. just being able to see that change you'd really get to know kinda, them yeah. yeah exactly versus it being like a flashback to a younger version of the character yeah and it's just the same person it makes it more consistent Absolutely. i'd be very curious to to see what you guys would think about it but uh i adore this movie so i i am uh i'm no stranger to long more than three hour movies i broke up napoleon i did an hour a day took me a week you know i could do that with this one you know uh that yeah that's like for some reason i feel like uh adulthood movies are very like uh because it's more than just coming in age movies are very specific into like one moment that changes them you know but i feel like adulthood you it takes longer to see the change you know um and a movie that i think is very similar to that god look at this segue is worst person in the world um i think is a quintessential adulthood movie when talking about relationships and um discovering who who you want to be you know, and staying true to yourself. Um, it is such a beautiful movie, and uh, it's it, it just feels so real, you know? Like, the, the screenplay is just, like, it's so natural, what the characters are saying and how the actors convey them, you know? They're just like, oh, my God, like, I just feel sucked into this person's life, you know? Um... And watching her, like, go through multiple relationships and what she learns about herself and from them, you know, and, uh, like, just how, like, who she becomes by the end of it is just, like, such a beautiful journey. Brandon, what about you? Do you have anything to say? Yeah. I mean, I mean, it didn't impact me as much as it did you two. Yeah. Um, but I think when it comes to seeing a relationship decay and yeah. evolve with time, that is the most unique part about it. And I think it does capture a very unique side of millennialism, which is like growing up after. And I and I it's not just exclusive to, um, you know, America, I think. I think we can group all the generations together in terms of that. Um, Because unfortunately, I I feel like a lot of there are a lot more boomer progressives and Gen Z, Gen X progressives than there are millennial in uh, in, than there are in in the U.S. versus foreign. Yeah. So. (laughs) Where is this going? (laughs) (laughs) What I'm saying is. Is I think the like in terms of how people are yeah. in foreign countries, just because that's the case doesn't mean that millennials are any different uh overseas. I, I think right. okay. wow. We're back. We're back to reality. We're talking about worst person in the world. Brandon, I get what you're saying because um you're saying millennial mindset is uh universal. It is universal. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's I think that's great that this movie covers that aspect because it's like just because there are boomers and Gen Xers that 
it there it's the same okay it's the same but there's more progressive ones over there yeah. but that doesn't mean that the experience changes for millennials because we grew up with different technology we grew up with different ways of relationshiping yeah uh, versus they there is a more traditional form of marriage relationships working everywhere before uh millennials and gen z and i think that's very interesting and i think that this movie captures that both in its structure and in terms of how uh the characters work now chris do you actually have anything to say about this? chris i think you have a lot to say about this movie on second now that i'm thinking about it well well for i think like one thing is that worst person is a movie that i think we've, we've talked about this movie at length multiple times about this show but i think one thing that has always stood out to me about this movie is how authentic it conveys itself. And like, I've always found that I remember walking out of this movie at the end of it and kind of feeling, you guys ever feel that feeling of like validation when you see a movie that really speaks to you? Absolutely, dude. You're just like, Oh yeah. my God. And I, like, like I just, I universally feel seen, you know? Yeah. And like, I think that what works most about this movie, among many things, is that the the story that the main character goes through and like the interactions she has with all these people in her life across these few years that this film kind of tracks her, they're all very universally understandable things. The like whether that be like her relationship with this guy that didn't work out and then starts dating this other person and it's like this rush of new excitement yeah but then that doesn't work out and then she kind of like there's like a grieving process that she goes through with like not only her relationships but with this person that she had at a time like imagine settling down and you know being in a family with and you know and i think that's something that i think worst person works best if you're like in your 30s because I think that's kind of like the target and, you know, millennials, I think are definitely the target in here. But I think even for us as like Gen Z people and granted Gen Z is like, we're early Gen Z. So like, we like, we have like moments where we breach into the other side of that. You know what I mean? Yeah. But yeah, I think like everything works. It's a very emotionally charged film, but I like how understated it is, relatively speaking. It's not like overly, uh, you know, explosive. And its visuals and stuff like that. I actually thought it was very subdued, which I really love about it. Um, yeah, beyond that, that's pretty much it. Like this movie works on levels that, like, because it's, it. Can, I can see why this film can be seen as very disparate, where it's like there's all these different things in this person's life, but like, what is? And but I always kind of felt like it all consolidates by the end into this portrait of a person who is just trying to make do, if you know yeah. what I mean. Especially at the end where, like, we kind of we kind of have a time jump and we see that she has moved forward in her career, but is still kind of, like, not fully satisfied, but kind of gotten to a place where she's, like, getting by. And, but honestly, like, at this age, at that age, that's fine. You know, yeah. getting by. Just, I mean, throughout life, getting, if you're getting by, that's, the, that's all, that's all it should be. Yeah, and like stability is um stability in life is more and more turbulent as as i think you get older and until you eventually reach that full level of stability yeah but i feel like this movie like shows what it's like to be lost in that world and i think that's a feeling that even if you're not in the you're not in that generation you can probably understand Oh, yeah, yeah, that's something that I that I really thought when I watched this movie. Yeah, it's brilliant film. Um, Chris, do you, you haven't picked a movie yet. Do you want to pick one? Yeah, um, why don't I throw in? Um, I guess I'll throw in uh, this movie's similar in tone. I don't even know if I've really talked about this movie, um, but I, it's a movie uh, on this show. Maybe I have once. Um, Varda's Cleo Five to Seven. This is I oh, yeah. this movie. I haven't seen it yet. So. Um, Brandon, have you seen Cleo? I don't think you have. Um, Shake okay, head, so Cleo listeners. from Five to Seven is fantastic. Um, it, I honestly, I mean, I think is it her highest viewed film? I think it is her highest viewed film on the but yeah, it is. Um, so Cleo from Five to Seven is a movie about uh, this woman named Cleo who, at the beginning of the film, um, is awaiting um, like uh, test results, like health test results. And, um, you know, is kind of just trying to 
quell her anxieties while she's waiting for to get this phone call or what have you. Um, and the whole thing about this movie is that the entire movie goes by and we don't know the result of this. The movie is more about how does being confronted, but how does this person being confronted by the potential of their loss of mortality or their, their own mortality, I should say, and how does that affect them? So Cleo in the beginning of this movie is very much someone who she's kind of a materialist in a way. I think she has a very like self-centered view of herself in the world. Um, and by the end of this movie and this journey that she goes through as she kind of treks through Paris, she starts to unravel herself and she starts to kind of come to grips with this idea that, you know, all these things that she's placed desire and, um, and all these things are like material uh, wealth and um, these kind of superficial aspects of her life. Um, and I feel like this movie ties into this idea of adulthood really well because it's a movie about this person learning what's important to them. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's a movie about like, about like kind of settling away the, the bullshit and kind of finding what is important to you, which I think is kind of the name of the game when it comes to adulthood. Yeah. Where you're trying to kind of like trim out the hedges and figure out like, hey, this is where I want to direct my life. This is where I don't want to put my life, things in my life towards. Mm-hmm. And I think Cleo from 5 to 7 does such a good job of articulating what it is to be an adult. And by the end, when it, I'm not going to spoil the ending, um, but by the end, like regardless of the the answer, she's happier. You know what I mean? And yeah. she has a more gratified sense of her existential self sense of self um and i think that's something that really moved me when i saw this film um yeah that's that's why i'm throwing this one in here um before i move on i want to throw in one more movie yeah we were talking about ethan you were talking about rebellion earlier and like kind of being awoken to that phenomena as an adult and what it's what it is to like kind of be confronted by like these larger than life social conditions and being forced to kind of grapple with it. So I'm going to throw in a movie that Brandon has seen and really likes. I I actually have a slightly higher rating than him on this. And Ethan, I think you'd really like this. Um, Jong Hoon's A Taxi Driver. I haven't uh, seen it. Brandon, back me up on this. A great movie. Great journalism movie. This is a very good journalism movie. Um, okay, so this movie stars Song Kang-ho. So... Also, honestly, might be my favorite Song Kang Ho performance. Really? And that's a high standard for this guy. Yeah, oh. I really like him in this movie. Um, the movie's a lot about a lot of different things, but essential, the essential um, pitch, basically, is this taxi driver who lives in Seoul gets um, paid by a foreigner to drive him down to this city called Gwangju, um, where there is mass social unrest. And this movie kind of treks its way through this character kind of being thrown into this world and kind of having to, like, come to grips with that, if you know what I mean. Um, and I know that sounds kind of like, like um, redu- not only reductive, but like kind of just like, okay, like, guy, guy learns the world's not a great place, like, okay. Yeah. But the movie communicates its messaging about the social issues I hand with such a like a intense level of like emotional heart. And also the one thing that really stands out to me about this movie is how the main character is so, like, he's consistently being presented with these things that challenges the comfort of the life that he already lives. And I think that's really interesting because especially when you kind of tie that back into the whole adulthood thing, and I think an experience that we can all share in is that the, we and Ethan, we've talked about this at length, the whole like thing with how the internet has provided our world with so much capability and um, ability to do amazing things and connect each other. Yeah. But it also has con- forced us to confront things that at like, not even 20 years ago, like, would have been like, ah, whatever, other side of the world, I don't care. But now it's like, it's real, you know what I mean? And being confronted by all this stuff and being forced to grapple with it, I think this movie explores a phenomena that is 
not only like universal in time, but also like specific enough that you can apply that to what it's like a, becoming an adult in today's world. Yeah, dude. Um, yeah. Ethan, I think you dig this one. I think you might find it a little like Generic. a little hammy at points. Yeah. yeah. It it is it's it's base it's quite a basic film, but it articulates it with just the right stuff to I think warrant how like close to the close to its chest it plays its cards. Yeah. If you know what I mean. Yeah. It doesn't reinvent anything, but it does what's known incredibly well. Mm-hmm. And I think you dig that. Yeah. Uh, uh, Brand, do you have anything you want to throw in about this movie since since you've seen it? I I don't think it needs. Okay, this film lives in a place where it kind of walks you through it as as if you were like alongside the if people you're involved. Yeah. yeah. And there's no hand-holding in that sense other than to let for people know who may not be understanding or knowledgeable about history in that region to know what's happening. And it doesn't do it with a shy eye because I know some movies that are about important times in history, important events, important movements. They'll kind of sanitize it to make it more viewable to the masses. Um, and yeah, I think it is PG-13, but I, I honestly didn't feel like it was sanitized at all. Um, and that lack of uh, sanitization of characters, of moments that are really kind of brutal, uh, puts uh, already frames it as this is an adult story. And it doesn't sugarcoat anything. And I think in adulthood, we we shouldn't sugarcoat because the training wheels are off. Yep. Uh, we live in a society that we are involved with politically by voting and by participating in protests and by all these different things. And I think Taxi Driver does a really good job at not needing um, to make it more uh, viable for a more universal audience in terms of age. And in that sense, like you could, because of the content, you could view it and be like, I don't need to be an adult to watch this, but it is quintessentially adult in that sense. Cause the people are independent Yeah, and it's, it's so scary. You know, that, that scariness of independence is, is there, especially with the protests that went on during that time in that area. Mm-hmm. So and and, it, and another thing I noted that wasn't a personal thing um, was in adult movies we need to tackle the tough truths, but also find the exciting freedom. Yes, of things because there there is a restrictiveness that you might feel as an adult at first because you have to make a living, but then you're able to do find yourself through aimlessness and more time because most people their time is taken up by school mm-hmm. or other responsibility but once you get past that other responsibility to your free time there is so much more to that in life for an adult mm-hmm. so i don't know if there's any films that match that description for you guys or if Ethan wants to say anything on taxi driver or what i got one i got one that matches that um sort of like about how to come with tough truths about growing up, getting a job. But this one also has to deal with uh, race in adulthood and dealing with race. And I'm going to be talking about uh, Sorry to Bother You, which I think is a really great adulthood movie that where we have Lakeith Stanfield's character sort of have to face these tough truths about um, the world and how it's controlled and what methods they use it for, you know, um, that speaks outside the frame of the film and sort of him coming to terms with how to accept that and yet at the same time how to fight against that, you know. So we have Steven Yeun's character that, like, is sort of, like, the guide to this, you know, because he wants to, like, start a union within the um, the telemarketers, you know, um, and that leads to protest and then... Like he Stanfield, he rejects it at first. He uh he was a, he was a scab, right? He crossed he crossed the picket line, um, and he shows how much of yourself you have to sacrifice, uh, your own dignity, like how much that stuff you have to sacrifice to go up in the world, and it's really sickening. But then he also like learns how to fight against it in the end, which I think is like so good. Uh, I love this movie to death. We we did this for a movie night once, right? 
Yes, we did. We did. That's when I that's when I saw it for the first time. Yeah. It's awesome. What do you guys think? Hmm. This is a really pensive episode of Stacked, everybody. The, the lots of dead air. If you could see all three of us, we're all we're all t- like tapping our chins and stroking our chins, going, "Huh." We're all like stroking our questions. beards. Yeah. I mean, financially, I agree because it gives him this when he is a scab and he does improve. It doesn't really. It does what the corporations want. The yeah. the idea of a union, a revolution, sort of falls apart initially because he's so good at his part of the job that it doesn't matter that there's a, a union strike going on. And his and job is using that, a white voice, you know. Right. And that that's super interesting, especially now with the Writers Guild strike going on. It's yeah. just super topical. Mm. And I think it's an incredible depiction of what what that excess wealth and capital will do for you <clears throat> in adulthood, but also mm-hmm. how it changes who you are as a person. Yeah. And kind of yeah. corrupts power corrupts. If, if, the, if we're talking about narratives like that, that also goes along yeah. with it. We, we were talking earlier about how like, um, about like, I was talking earlier about like being confronted by all these like large social issues in this part of your life where, you know, at the, when you're a kid or like even a growing teenager, it kind of feels like the consequences of the real world are beyond you. You know what I mean? And it's like, you know, I don't got to worry about that. I just got to worry about school, like you said, Ethan. But I think another thing that this movie does really well, and many films have done this and but to varying effect, but I think Sorry to Bother You nails it, is the intertext, like the intertext between race and eco- economics, especially in the United States. Across the world, I'm sure. Yeah. But I think this movie speaks so closely to... What is a vitally American issue? Yeah. Um, and I think this movie does a great job of bringing forward this message. And while also, like, this movie's also funny as hell. Like, the ending. It's so funny. Um, fall out of this movie. Like, I'm yeah. like, what in the fuck? <laughs> like, because it kind of, like, Riley has this really, like, absurdist humor to him that I think he leans into really well while, while not diluting the social messaging or the just, like, the fun of the characters through any of it and i think this kind of like these like what might initially seen as like a haphazard clash of tones yeah works really well oddly enough and i can't really pinpoint a specific reason as to why but it does and this movie's really funny (laughs) but also like one of those movies that like really gets you thinking in a weird way kind of like wolf of wall street in the way that the the funniness and absurdity oddly enough compliments like the social messaging that goes on in the background born this way is in the forefront because it's a very direct film i think it's Um, also kind of like bo is afraid in terms of its comedy you know i can definitely see that there's like a yeah there's like a yeah it's abrasive and dark darkness but play for laughs you know it's crazy um what else do people got i got i got one more but i want to hear more from you guys what do you got, Chris? Um, I'll throw in another. Uh, I'll throw in. I'll throw in this one just really quickly. We've talked about this movie a billion times, but I think this movie is really important for for me as an adult. Uh, I, I promise I'll make this quick because we talk about this movie all the time. Big yeah. Lebowski. Uh, oh, the dude has the ultimate adult philosophy, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, basically, like, and I'll make again. I'll make this quick. So the whole thing with what makes I think the dude such a compelling protagonist and in relation to this theme of adulthood is that the dude's whole shtick is he just goes with it he he his whole thing is maintaining his own inner tranquility and not letting these like these giant like things and things beyond him get him down now of course you know like we've um it's important to participate and be socially aware and help and you know do your bit of course absolutely but when it comes to like a per as an individual person and how you deal with being confronted by all this stuff in life, just sit back, roll some, do some bowling, do drink some a bowling. drink of uh, white Russian, drink some bowling. You know, it's, it's fucking. But you know what I'm saying? Like it's yeah, I, man. I think like yeah, it's it just going along with it and like just being a good person, stay out of trouble. 
That's okay. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with that. And that's why the the slacker uh, lifestyle that is the dude has become so iconic. And honestly, one that a lot of people can also very easily emulate. Yes. It's not a hard. It's not a hard concept to grasp in in that in that regard. And I think that's why this movie has stood the test of time, even beyond its comedy. I think that's why this movie is so like. It's just like yeah, if I you know if I was confronted by fascists, I'm chilling. <laughs> You know what I mean? What? Wait, no, 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 no. We don't want to give that no, message. No, I'm kidding. If you're conf- if you're confronted no, by a fascist, you, know what I mean? you punch We're... them in the face. All right. Let's just make that clear. Yeah, while they burn you're your car. fucking thrown down if you find a Nazi yeah. or a fascist. Yeah, but you but know you what keep, I'm saying. You get, like, just kind of going, going. You still with keep your inner tranquility. You, you still, you still <laughs> keep your, that inner tranquility when you're punching them in the face. Is what Chris is trying to say. That's you what know? I mean. Yeah. When you throw a bowling ball at their at their chest, you know. It also it does like it teaches a good lesson optimistic nihilism. Um, yes, know, it's it is the ultimate optimism by parroting what people think nihilism is with those fascists. They're not even fascists; they just say they're nihilists. But uh, Walter just keeps calling them fascists because they're German. Um, they they could be fascists, <laughs> they, but they just never confirm themselves. But just like accepting that what is is and what isn't isn't. You know, is a very uh, yeah. like positive nihilist thought, optimistic nihilism. You know, that's what I subscribe to, and this movie does it perfectly. You know, surely, yeah, surely. Oh, Chris, I'm so proud of you. I cool. look at you, look at you, Pig and Lebowski all the time like that. It's one of the best movies yeah. ever made. Um, Brandon, throw a movie in. It's been a minute. Uh, mm, well. Mm. Tossing a little bit. Er, well, unconfirmed mm. little thing. Multiplicity. Is that the Ryan Reynolds? What? When he's no. like multiple people? No, uh, it's Michael Keaton. It's from the nineties. Oh, it's a comedy drama a where dramedy. this guy that goes yeah a dramedy where a guy goes to a scientist to help him with his his project. And like it's a construction project, and Michael Keaton's character is a dad and a construction worker. Yeah. And the guy invites him into his lab and is like, Hey, have you ever like struggled with like time and your management of time? And as an adult, when I think about the balancing of time and the struggles we have of seeing friends, yes, and raising a family, I guess, in this case, <laughs> raising a podcast. Raising uh, a podcast, <laughs> our sweet baby boy podcast. Oh, and going to work. And the guy clones him, and as a result, he's able to send one to work, and then send one to work at home. But he doesn't know which is the original, a la a little Netflix miniseries that Ethan and I watched called "Living with Yourself," starring Paul Rudd. <sighs> And Brandon, uh, now I add a third to this trilogy that you need to watch, and it's called Severance, dude. <laughs> it plays with this, and you've got to watch it. It's the best out of the three. And people people get jealous when because they don't know. They want their own agency. It's natural to humanity, but it's also the, the theme is there's never enough time, which is why I love time travel movies, like About Time, another great adulthood movie in my opinion. Mm-hmm. But in this film... It's like almost a struggle. I mean, yes, they play with the comedic presence of him trying to cover up the fact that there is a clone that looks like him. But then there's increased dramatic stakes because it's one of those stories where it's like, be careful what you wish for. Right. And I love that concept because it allows us to play with the things that we may want to do in theory. But in in action, it's like, oh, there's some real drawbacks here, huh? And it involves his clones making other clones without his consent. What? To b- to balance more time so that they have time off because they feel like they're overworked because they're only going to work or they're <laughs> only helping the kids with soccer practice. Oh, my God. So there are so many Michael Keatons in this movie. <laughs> and what happens when you make a clone of a clone of a clone? Uh, they start maybe. to corrupt. You Lots of clones, yeah. I guess. Yeah. So yeah, well... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and you know what happens if you make a clone of a clone of a clone of a clone of a clone. There's but a it, of... in that way, it's no, a it's a, a it's an a lesson. <laughs> it's it's just a lesson. Yeah. And in that sense, I, I really dug this movie for that lesson because as an adult, 
we often struggle with time management and spending enough time with our friends, spending enough time with our significant others, spending enough time working, but also for ourselves yeah. because we often forget ourselves through all that. Yes. So that is where I picked multi- multiplicity. Love that. And I have one, I have my last film, my last film um, plays with that as well. And Chris, you're going to be proud of me for this one. I'm picking Spider-Man 2. Sam Raimi's Spider-Man 2. Yay! Uh, because that movie is so good when it comes to ba- Peter Parker having to balance responsibility. You know? Yeah. Responsibility. The movie, it's a Peter Parker movie, not so much a Spider-Man movie, honestly. And that's what makes it so great, you know? Where it's like he has to balance being a student, being a boyfriend to MJ, being Spider-Man, uh, being able to pay rent, you know? And it's a film about like the sacrifices you have to make because in this society, we're not built for all of that, you know? Um, Mm. And, you know, I've had an interesting relationship with Spider-Man 2. I started out not liking it. uh, And then I just progressively over time, it gets better and better whenever I watch it. And now Mm. it's like one of these, it's just a fantastic film. And quintessential, like you said, Chris, Peter Parker movie, because, yeah, Peter Parker, that's why people identify with him so much, you know, because they just, they found the demographic of comic readers and made a superhero about them, you know, and that's just, and that's great. We love to see that. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I mean, like, I'm definitely the, I think of the three of us, I'm the webhead of the three. Oh, yeah. I'm the biggest oh, yeah. Spider-Man fan of the bunch. Um, and I, yeah, this this movie means a lot to me. Um, I grew up loving this movie for its action, for Spider-Man, so many things. But one thing that continuously brings me back to this movie is, yeah, like Ethan said, the what it is to be a superhero in the sense that you have all these things, and honestly, like Peter is not all that different from a hu- from a regular human outside of his powers. Like, yeah, he. Yeah. His like honestly, Spider Man. His his job as Spider Man, may like you could switch out that as his as a normal everyday job. This movie is still compelling, like yeah, and I think yeah. that's why this movie works is because I think someone said this like like you should be able to have an action movie. Let's say strip away every action sequence and the movie should still work, and I think this movie does do that very well. Yeah, um, yeah. granted. The action does help, and it's very, it's great, it's fantastically done. I don't know if that works for like Mad but, um, Max Fury Road or something. <laughs> that's true. Yeah, when, like what? What if? Because that's the just they drive is... to locations back and forth. <laughs> yeah, but like so. But what I'm trying to say is like, the, yeah, Ethan, like the the whole thing with Peter being, like, yeah, he like because this is the this is the time in his life where he's moved out from his place with Aunt May. He's got. He's trying to pay rent. You know the guy with the rent. Uh, you know, um, <laughs> and rent. Um, and, but then he's like, Spider Man has to grapple. Yeah, with all of these different things. His relationship with MJ. Blah 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 blah. And it's it's the weight of. It feels like the weight of the world when you're a young adult and just trying to feed yourself. Let alone you know, like go out with a girl and be a superhero, you know? Um, but, like, and the movie, I think, does such a good job of reminding people that, like, you know, this is not easy. This isn't an easy thing to do. And at the end of the movie, Peter has to make hard decisions about what is it that is most important for him and for the people that he loves. You know what I mean? Right. And I think that's a really mature thing, you know? Um, and... Granted, every Spider-Man story is essentially what we just described. You know, they, it's always the kid grab, trying to juggle all this stuff and blah, blah, blah. Which is, but I think that's the essence of the character. And I think this movie articulates that better than maybe only matched by Spider-Verse. Maybe? Yeah, I don't know. But Miles is so opinion. much younger. But, you um, yeah, and that's, and that's a different kind of responsibility. That's a has. different coming of age. Um, and yeah, exactly. Um... Cool and yeah, that's I, I've got I got nothing else to say about that. That's fantastic. What about you, Brandon? I know you're not the biggest Spider-Man fan, but it's one of the better Spider-Man movies. You like this movie enough? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I I think it's a compelling story with MJ, with Doc Ock and Peter's relationship with 
uh, Oscorp as well. I think right. that's all great. And you're right. I mean, it is him sort of trying to balance everything as a teenager dash new adult. You know, mm-hmm. he is yeah. out. He's out of high school and he has to he has to pay rent. He has to do everything. And it's just there's that those are like almost the higher stakes of the movie. And that's like the interesting thing is like Raimi doesn't choose to up the stakes via something that's a larger scale, even though it slightly is on a larger scale, but it's more so raising the stakes personally for Peter. Yeah. Because he's got so much more to lose. Yeah. um, Versus the first Spider-Man, which I mean, in all honesty, he doesn't have MJ yet. Um, All he's really got to lose is James Franco as a friend. (laughs) Yeah. Think about it. And Aunt May. I and Uncle Ben, but you know we we we'll we'll split we'll split hairs, <laughs> okay? Because God he, damn it, because that's in every Spider-Man movie, with the exception of it. Should, it doesn't trilogy. mean anything now. <laughs> it doesn't, honestly. I I'm sorry. I, it's it's one of those things where the more they do it, the less it has an impact for me. Which is why even on the no previous home, ones, it, yeah. Whoa. I think. Because it's become such a played out trope and yeah. almost like a joke of itself, that unfortunately it, 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 they even make a joke about it in the Spider Verse trailer. That's true. Where he's like, "Oh, yeah, without yeah," and it's like, "Well, at this point, then it's just a joke. It's not really an emotional beat, and it kind of retroactively makes the other moments less meaningful to me." Doesn't uh, mean it is. Yeah, I'm just saying, if if I'm watching it in a vacuum, super impactful. And that's his only thing that he loses in that first movie, I guess. But yeah, I think he has so much more to lose in the second one. Absolutely, and that's so sort of that that, that that's sort of like that tells in life too. When you become an adult, like your own personal stakes have raised. You know, right? If I lose my job and I live with my parents, I've still got a place to live. Yeah, but mm. when you're like completely out on your own, you know. Yeah. And you don't have that fallback. It's tough, you know. Yeah, it's real tough. I want to throw in one more movie before we wrap things up here, if that's yeah, okay. Let's do it. Um, I want to throw in. I have one honorable mention. I'll throw in at the end, but I want to talk very quickly about the Truman Show. I think this is a brilliantly Ooh. done adulthood movie. Yeah, he's like I think... almost. It's like Brixby Bear, kind of in the way that yeah. it depicts adulthood. Hmm. Mm. Go ahead, Chris. Um, no, you're good. Um, but yeah, Truman Show. It, it um, tells the story of a guy who, from the moment he was born, has become the subject of a 24-hour uh, reality TV show. Um, so his reality is completely constructed for him. Every person he has ever interacted with in his life is an actor. Um, and that's a really dark thing, obviously. But the thing is, Truman is such a lovable protagonist because he has like those, like what's the word, like do- very like doughy eyes. You know what I mean? Like a, like like a deer. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. He has such a genuine genuineness to him. Innocence. Um, and you know, yeah, an innocence. You know, and like, and by the throughout the movie, you know, his innocence is challenged. He's forced to come to grips with this reality that he has never really seen a crack through before and by the end of the movie when it's all kind of laid out for him and it's like what do you want to do and truman seizes it you know what i mean and he decides like this is who i am now and i'm gonna go out there and i'm gonna i'm gonna make do you know and we were talking earlier about how just getting by when you're an adult like that's a challenge in and of itself, but this movie does a great job of kind of, kind of like using this hyperbolic concept for its film to articulate what is a very human experience of being thrust into the real world. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and I think that is that's the essence of becoming an, of adulting. Um, yeah, and yeah, I think this is a great great movie as well. Very charming, very sweet emotional but also really funny and just enjoyable too and, um i've consistently like looked at this movie and been like this might be one of my favorite movies of all time it and always it goes up is. in my ranking whenever i watch it it all it just it always goes higher yeah it's just like 
Yeah, yeah. it's a, you know, also like yeah. Jim. Uh, sorry, just quick thing. Yeah. Jim Carrey, I love this man so much. I have nothing but love for him. Um, I uh, part of me wishes he got to do one last dramatic role before his retirement. Yeah. Um, but you know, we got we will always have Truman and Eternal Sunshine, and that's already good enough for me. That's true. Because um, they're gems. Also, him going out with Sonic with Sonic Two, like <laughs> it doesn't get more Jim Carrey than that. And, and he's actually he's and fantastic he's as Eggman. He's really good, yeah, and he's, I hope, yeah, and like I really and he's still he's still hop more. Yeah, and like he'll still peek his head in into like random creative projects. Like he he collaborated with the weekend on his um, most recent album. Yeah, which That's is crazy. like crazy. Okay, <laughs> like I didn't know you guys were homies, <laughs> but uh, but yeah. Anyway, uh, Truman Show. The quick the quick honorable mention I want to throw in is a 2022 film that only I saw. No one else in our friend group saw this movie because this movie is so small and. It had like the tiniest release window. Um, it's called A Love Song. Uh, Max Walker Silverman is a director. Um, Ethan. Strange. This movie is more like looking back throughout oh, your yeah. adulthood because this movie is almost like uh, it's more like an elderly movie. Um, movie basically. <laughs> we already did old people movies. Two... Oh yeah, we haven't done. Okay, maybe we'll save this first. But, uh, <laughs> but that's different. Basically, two childhood sweethearts who are now both widowed share one night in the mountain by a lake in the mountains um it's a movie about reflecting upon your life um coming to grips what what was and what was lost but also what was had and um you know being appreciative of the experience of life that you had even if it might not have necessarily gone the way that you wanted um which is might be a bit uh you know is beyond the scope of I think our the three of our experiences in life at the moment. Yeah. But I have a feeling one day I will revisit this movie and be very much touched. Um, yeah, just want to throw this in there as like a great movie to kind of show like that more, like the further end of adulthood. Because I feel like we're kind of in that earlier section naturally because we're in that age. Um, but yeah, I want to throw this in there. I feel like we all have this moment where we realize there's so much more out there you know oh dude i can't wait for you to go to japan you'll real you, you'll be faced with how much more there is out there i know and um i am ethan's I'm saying, gonna be like, watching oppenheimer there it's not coming out in japan while i'm there not coming unfortunately you won't get to see it i there. won't be able to see that or barbie that those aren't coming to japan until like august hong kong's not getting them either so that's too bad. I know I'm gonna miss the dull yeah. feature, but I am gonna yeah, discover yeah. that the world is bigger, and that's gonna be awesome. And that's that's more than I could ask for seeing Barbie and telling me whatever that message is gonna be. I don't know what it is because I haven't seen it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. Um, oh man, I had I had an honorable. Mention, I was thinking about love. I forgot it. You were thinking about love. What do you think about yeah. love? Yeah. I mean, we really didn't tackle it too much outside of the brief mention of it in Worst Person in the World, which is more generalized, I feel like. Um, I would say oh, there's like a few films that I would want to mention. Love and Basketball, balancing career and um, love. Uh, the Apartment, oh. that, oh. that movie. Ethan. Oh. Oh, yeah, you watched that recently, didn't you? Oh, Brandon, thank you. Thank you for reminding me. Yes. <laughs> oh, my God. What a And an unmarried woman. Incredible film. The Apartment would absolutely be one of my picks. Oh, man. Yeah, it's just like... How? It, it is. It's about sacrificing, uh, like, love and career, you know? Mm-hmm. And... And it it does really take place at a time in like this time in our life, you know, where this this guy's trying to work up the the corporate ladder, you know, mm-hmm. and he gets he gets himself involved in something that's probably morally it is morally unethical, you know, mm-hmm. um, to do that, and then he just gets caught up in this really great web uh, of drama, and learns that like doing all this work won't get you what you want you know won't really get you what you want it'll get you money 
it'll get you out of that apartment. But that's, but what do you like? But what do you really want? You know, and that's like, yeah, that's another big moment. I feel like we all have in our lives. Mm-hmm. Money you. buys access and opportunity and pleasure, but not happiness. Yeah, remember that. That's yeah. important. Remember that. Everybody. I mean, and that relates to my truly last pick. Okay, I feel like we've been saying this. Yeah. Um, a Martin Scorsese movie because I, I, unmarried woman, the apartment, love and basketball, they all do a great job mm-hmm. at showing somebody balancing their life, their career, what they want to do. But I'm choosing Scorsese's one of his earliest movies that not a lot of people have seen. It's called Alice Doesn't Live Here Anymore. What? She don't live here anymore? No, she don't. Why not? And, Did she leave? Uh, well, let's just say <laughs> well. uh, yes. <laughs> for all those wondering she's gone she's out (laughs) Uh, and this is a a story about a woman who never fulfilled her dreams uh from when she was a kid gets involved in abusive marriage has a child and then has to grapple with the fact that she needs to reset her life but she's almost too far along to do that so this is like middle-aged adulthood in her 40s late 30s and so, like, the door is closing on her having a life that is meaningful, I think, to her. And she does it. She wants to go to Hollywood. She wants to go somewhere to make her opportunity uh, of being what she wants to do, which is be, be a singer, mm. a reality. And I think in that sense, Alice doesn't live here anymore. It uh, really shows somebody's difficulty in balancing parenthood as well as love because she tries to find love along the way and decides is it really for her or does she need to focus more on her career and and should she care more about her son that she's raising or and there's so so many like personal layers here that work for me really well mostly the performance by Ellen Burstyn and Chris Christopherson one of his best performances ever and I, I just think it's really compelling to see somebody's adult life shown through that lens as, the, as it like nears its last act. Because in, in reality, people should uh, kind of separate their lives into three acts. Their, their childhood, which is any age from zero to maybe 17, 18. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then their second act, which is from like 17, 18 to probably like their late 50s, mid 50s. And then the rest is seniority. And so she's just on the edge of that. Right. And as the clock is running out and you're forced with time being a real killer, especially to women in the 70s. Um, yeah, I think it's it's just an incredible view of that. I mean, we won't relate necessarily to her journey as a single mother, but I think we'll relate to her desires and needs and wants in relation to who we become and what choices we make. Yeah, that's true. I, dude, it's crazy that he used to make movies like that. You know, you don't really see that from him anymore. Yeah, it's more like religious and political allegories now, as opposed yeah. to like a really great drama or a really great comedy in like After Hours or something. Yeah. And it's, we're still, I'm not complaining. I like silence. I yeah, love it, the rest of his movies have been great, but I'm just saying, <laughs> yeah. like, it's it's interesting. His best movies, The Ghosts. He's got range. It's interesting, <laughs> the range. <laughs> <laughs> all right, well, let's end this, shall we? Uh, so I hope you all learned a lot about, you know, coming into adulthood this episode from, you know, three people who are currently learning in it, it in the middle of it. Trying to trying to make do. Yeah. Just trying to make do with it, you know. Uh, we got three Peter Parkers here. Uh... <laughs> no, Brandon said no. I'm not. I am not Peter Parker. I work at Knott's Berry Farm. Spider Man doesn't. Um... <laughs> I swing from the tower. No, Brandon, you are kind of like Peter Parker, but instead of putting on a Spider Man costume, you put on a Snoopy costume. You know, I don't put on a Snoopy costume anymore. Yeah, you do. You put on the the Snoopy costume. You are Snoopy there. <laughs> I, it's more than just a mask. It's who I am. <laughs> all right, we're all we're all tired. It's been a long day. Adulthood is exhausting. 
<laughs> if that's the one thing you can get from this episode is that we're fucking exhausted from being adults already. So, uh, not me. All right, cool. All right, bye everybody. Wait, wait. What? Oh. Our announcement. Oh. All right. Oh yes, the big announcement. The big announcement. Wow, we almost um, forgot. You I, think you're okay. here this week. I'm here this week, but I just don't think it's ready yet. I'm gonna be honest. So next episode, I promise. It's been like a month and a half. I promise we'll have that announcement for you. I know. Ethan, it's not I know. Fair. I didn't. I didn't mention the announcement last episode, and I apologize for that. But it, obviously, it was me and my dog. So you know, I didn't want to uh, announce that with him. I wanted to announce it with the boys, but I still there's just a few more kinks that we have to get out for this bombastic announcement that we'll be telling you all very soon so stay tuned to the next episode um and thank you for so now. much for listening like comment subscribe i i feel like i'm just listing all these just tag words you know i feel like i'm a machi- i'm just a cog in the machine right now just just end it end it i i just i can't